My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. I am always excited to bring these episodes to you. You know that. But today I am super excited because I get to interview someone who I met very recently, but we became fast friends um, the moment that we met. And how did we meet? Come on, people, you should know me by now. We met on LinkedIn. (laughs) So today I am happy to introduce and welcome to the sound booth, my new friend, fast good friend, Megan Newhouse. Megan! And she gets the sound effect. (laughs) Hi, Julie. Thank you for having me. I am so thrilled to be here with you today. You are welcome. Thank you for being here today. I really do appreciate it. So I don't usually read bios um, just because I think it's important for you to tell your own story. So can you tell our audience What's your HR story? How did you get here? Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. Um, so I, it took me a long time to get to, na- to HR, and I would actually say that I'm still pretty new to HR, and I'll tell you about that. I'll tell you about that as briefly as I can. So my, we, I like to call this the origin story. My origin story is... That's right. Drop it. <laughs> Drop it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, shortly out of school, um, well, I should say, rewind back to grad school, I did study instructional design. So um, that does have an HR feel to it, right? So I'm an instructional designer by trade. Um, I love writing. I love creating learning solutions. And I did that for much of my career. Uh, But it was in IT. So I wasn't part of an HR department. Uh, My function was in the IT department. So, um, which was, I loved it because I was always a user advocate. You know, I learned about the new technology coming out. And I'd say, but how is this going to affect the end user? You know, how are they actually going to use it? Has anyone talked to them? I loved, you know, user acceptance testing. Um, I love the agile development methodology that's out now, getting the users involved from day one, Um, you know, but that, that's only happened recently in my experience. I was definitely more of the waterfall era. So, you know, I was always advocating for, for the people. Um, and from there I went into, um, more of a project management role. And then I quit and I started my own organization and I did uh, more instructional design while I was doing that. Um, But then I realized, you know what, I I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. And I really want to have a team and I want to build a culture and I want to be a part of an organization where um, I can, I can help people love coming to work. That's what I really wanted to do. I want to create a place that people loved to work. And so um, one of my friends came to me in 2016 and he was quitting his job and he wanted to start in Sprint Group, which is our company. Right. He's like, I want to do it. If you want to come with me, will you come and will you be in charge of creating the culture and bringing the people on. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Yes, let's do that. So 
So I've in our startup, since it's a small startup, I do wear many hats. And so part of that is, is being the HR lady. And we have a joke. I'm hashtag new to HR because I will say things or do things that maybe aren't super appropriate. (laughs) I'm still learning. (laughs) I, I want an example of one of those. Oh, maybe, maybe for the outtakes. <laughs> but you know, Julie, I think, I mean, when you think about the words human resources, that is something that I've always been super passionate about. I do believe that people are the most important resource for an organization. Um, you have to have the right people and the right jobs. And you, you know, ideally are giving them um, purpose and focusing on their strengths and their skills and giving them a place where they love to come to work. So mm-hmm. I'd say that's my HR origin story. <laughs> wow, that is a super powerful HR origin story. Let me tell you, like, you all—you gave me literally gave me goosebumps. Oh, um, because I honestly thought that you were in HR forever. Um, because when I hear you speak, um, when I hear you speak publicly, even when we talk, um, I don't get the sense that you are new to HR at all. So, um, kudos to you in, in your effort to come into dealing with people because it's not an easy thing, but I guess your history with working with products and services that were for end users is what helped you along the way, right? Absolutely. And, and I'm a, you know, I was a psych major in my undergrad. So people have fascinated me, Julie, since I was a child. And I, I'm the person that I love networking events, you know, Mm -hmm. back when we were going in person as well, like I would go by myself and I would just meet new friends because people's stories fascinate me. I was a waitress and a bartender for a long time because I just want to hear people talk. I want to learn more about, you know, their story. Everyone has a unique story. Everyone has a unique approach and story and thoughts. And for some reason, my whole life, people have just fascinated me. So um, it makes sense for me to now be in a career that focuses on people. Absolutely. Perfect sense if you ask me. Like you you always belong there. So tell us a little bit about the company that you're working with. What do you guys do? And how, you said it's a startup. So give us a little backstory to that as well. Yeah. So I mentioned my friend, Amir. Um, So at the time he was actually a client of mine. I was doing some instructional design work for him. He works for a large, or he worked for a large healthcare payer here in the States. And um, he was an executive director of technology and innovation. And so I was creating some e-learning around um, some homegrown technology that they had. And we were having lunch and I thought he was just going to give me more work. I was really excited. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know he was going to change my life in that life. He really did. So, cause it was at that time I had my own organization. Like I said, my own boutique learning and development consulting firm. Right. They really wanted to be a part of a startup. I wanted to build a culture and I knew there was more for me. And when he said, I'm thinking about starting this organization and I only want to do it. If you'll come and do the people piece, I was like, are you reading my mind? You know, is this, <laughs> is this what manifestation looks like? Right. You put something out into the universe and it comes back to you. Cause that's what it felt like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Is this too good to be true? I thought about it for maybe 30 seconds. I was like, I'm in what's next. What are we doing? Let's go. Right. And that was it. That was the start. So, um, and I've known Amir for almost 20 years. Okay. Um, actually his wife and my husband went to college together. So they were really wow. good friends. Okay, so okay. We got introduced through them. Mm-hmm. We knew each other, you know, our children are on the same age and we had always been friends, but we started talking business and we, yeah. Um, found that we had a lot of similarities. Even though our skill sets are different, we, mm-hmm. we look at 
business the same. And, and Amir, for being a tech guy and a strategy guy, he's always been people first. You know, he yeah. just understands the value. Yes. He's just super generous. So our organization, uh, to use the buzzword, we focus on digital transformation. Um, but really, I, I, I even want to take the digital out of there. We really just focus on transformation. transformation. Yeah. And it's um, we start with the process. We really start with the end in mind. What is your big sky vision of what things can be. What's your dream? Yeah. And then let's make that the most efficient thing possible. Let's make sure the process works correctly. Mm -hmm. You've got all the right things in place. And then we look at the people. Do you have the right people in the right seats doing the right job? Do they have the skills to do what you're looking to do? Do we need to upskill them? And we, and then we look at the technology. People want to start with technology. Often the last things we look at, because really there is no one size fits all tech solution. So you see what's out in the marketplace. Is that going to work? for the most part, or do you need to build something in-house? So um, we are now in our you know fourth year of business. We started officially awesome. in January 2017. Mm-hmm. 2020 has been an interesting year, as you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as it has for everyone. Well, that's, um, that's, that was my next question. Oh, please. <laughs> like, um, how have you guys really been coping, you know, through COVID-19? Being a startup, like, how has that been for you guys? You know, we are so lucky. I mean, our, our team is incredible. And it's so funny because we'll talk about as a startup, how to market ourselves and what, what's the messaging we have to give. And I always come back to our people. I'm like, our people are awesome. And then, you know, some people on our team are like, no one's going to market their company being like, our people are crap, but come work with us. You know, <laughs> It's hard to say that our people are the differentiator, but our team is really just incredible. We call ourselves unconsultants because we are trying right. to disrupt consulting. Yeah. And, our unconsultants are just um, so smart and so talented and so committed. And, you know, we had a team meeting this week and I got a little choked up because oh. I was thanking them for showing up through all of this. I mean, yes. what, what a stressful and um, challenging mm-hmm. crisis, you know, all of the unknowns, the disruptions mm-hmm. that we're ha- handling, all the changes. Right. And yet my team, you know, the people I get to work with are showing up every day, giving their best, yes. you know, being engaged, being a part of this when you could just crawl in your hole and put the blanket over your head and be like, I'll see you in 2021. It's right? True. It's true. It's true. It's true. We go like, wait till we hit restart on 2021. We don't know yeah. what that has to bring. That's the truth. I but I know um, people so I think, think it won't be that way. <laughs> I, I was all I wanted to say is I just think thanks to my team. Yes, we've been writing it out pretty well. You know, there's definitely bumps, um, but people are showing up and they're still giving their best and they're they're being very creative. You know, yes. disruption causes creativity. That's right. Um, and it's been really cool to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I'm super happy for you guys. And I, and I wish you guys all the best as you continue yeah. to grow and develop your business. But let me ask you this. In terms of going into an organization and looking to transform it, what are some of the things that you look at? Now, I know you talked about you look at the organization as a whole first, and then you look at the tech side of it. Um, why is that, number one? And tell me what your audit looks like of the organization. 
That's a great question. So really, I mean, it comes down to the processes. It really does. I mean, granularly as that, like an ideal project for us would be to come in. And again, I'm thinking pre-COVID. I don't know how we would do this now. Right. Probably with some sort of shared screen, right? Like, yes. but you come in and you sit and you watch someone do their job and you watch someone do their job for a week or two weeks um, with the end in mind, right? You have to, before you even do that, you have to identify what that end goal is, what, right. what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. how many more widgets you want to produce or how many more markets you want to get into or right. what you right. want your client satisfaction scores to be or whatever your dream looks like, you have to identify what that is. Okay. And then you look at the process to get there and you're like, Oh, well that looks a little bumpy. And I always say, I don't know if you've seen the movie office space, but we don't, we're not the bobs from office space. So these guys that come in are like, so what would you say you do here? You know? And they're trying to like, you know, cut people from their jobs. And by no means, I mean, that's the last thing that we want to do, right? We want to understand what the process is. And then Mm -hmm. if the process process isn't as efficient as it could be, Mm -hmm. then we look at why. And then we say, oh, well, here's what you could do. And let's give you some training around that. Or let's bring in some new skills, you know, but it has nothing to do with getting rid of people. It has to do everything giving them the tools and the skills that they need to be mm-hmm. the most effective that they can be in their job. And honestly, that leads to more job satisfaction. If people yes. are struggling, mm-hmm. right? If people are struggling in their role and they don't have the skills or they don't understand why, or they, the technology doesn't work right. Like they're not right. going to be super efficient or happy or engaged at that point. Not at all. Not at so all. That's we start with the end in mind. We do some process audits. Yes. Um, and then technology is always last though. So it's, it's really understanding what the existing tech ecosystem looks like. Mm -hmm. Usually it's a bunch of like spaghetti noodles all like this. So then it's kind of unraveling like, or you think of like, you know, a house that people have kept like adding on to, but it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not up to code, let's say. Right, right. <laughs> so, you gotta figure out like how, how to put it all together. <laughs> <laughs> so do you use, um, do you use design thinking at all as you go through your process? Cause it sounds to me like you use, you use design thinking as well. You know, I, I don't, I haven't had any formal training in that. So I don't know if I could, you know, put like a seal of approval on here, but I do think there's a lot of similar um, methodologies, approaches, Mm -hmm. you know, really, I mean, it comes down and I I go back to when I was first starting in my, in my career is that, that user advocate, really, it it comes down to thinking about what people really need. Mm -hmm. And what's going on in their world, right? Mm-hmm. With all of the changes that you're bringing in. I'm always, right. you know, when we're working with a client, I'm like, okay, this is our little piece of the pie that we're working on, but what else is hitting people as yes. we're focusing on this thing? You know, are, are we changing their technology, but also wait, they're moving offices, but also wait, you know, um, there's a new vacation policy, but also wait, right? Like all of these <laughs> things hitting a person at the same time can really um, be troublesome Mm -hmm. to their efficiency and then it makes your piece of the pie less effective because they can't focus on everything at the same time exactly exactly so helping them break it down and doing what's practical or what's right for them at the time helps them to build their job efficiency I guess that's what you're you're working towards right helping people to be more effective in their organization and I really think that leads to happiness I really do that's right So being new to HR, <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> that should be one of your hashtags going forward, new to HR, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how long I could use that? How long can 
I use that for? It's been three years. <laughs> on on coming into the profession where you came in and where you're seeing HR going now, what would you say you see in terms of what the future looks like for HR? Julie, I know we've talked about this before. I feel yeah. like... Um, this profession is prime for disruption. And I know Absolutely. that change is hard. Believe me, yeah. I'm, some of the work that I do is in change management. And mm -hmm. it's so funny because I'm a change practitioner. But then yeah. when change hits me, I'm the one stomping my feet and holding on tight and <laughs> gritting my teeth. We moved from, um, we were a Google shop up until January. And we moved over to Outlook in mm -hmm. January. Oh, and Julie, wow. I have to tell you, I was the loudest whiner about the entire thing. I don't want to change. I don't want, you know, trying to figure out all the new stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this right now. Um, so I believe me, I know change is hard, but I do feel like, I feel like there's an evolution happening. Yes. I feel like finally, finally, and, and maybe it's being accelerated by COVID and by the, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, finally, leaders are understanding that employee satisfaction is probably the biggest correlation to the bottom line. And yeah. maybe I'm saying something totally, totally radical here. <laughs> if you have a bunch of crabby people who don't like the work they're doing with terrible management, with no vision that are only focused on, you know, dollars in the door, yes. you're not, you're not going to be the most effective and productive company, you know? No. And so, um, that, that command and control center leadership style is going out the door. And I think Absolutely. that HR is, uh, showing them the door. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, finally, can, I get a, can I get a ding for that? Let me see if I can get a ding for that. I agree 100%. Right? So I think, I think HR has always been seen as a, an inefficient support function, if I can say that. And yes. I think, I think, um, visionary leaders like my partner, Amir and others mm -hmm. like him, um, who bring HR leaders to the table from the get-go from day one that bring mm -hmm. HR leaders in for the important conversations for the future of the organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the future of work. That's the future yes. of success yes. is being people first. Yes. You have to be because yeah. you can't yeah. just get anybody to do a role. I think more and more people are becoming more and more specialized in their functions. Absolutely. And you're going to miss out on the the genius of individuals <laughs> if you don't give them the opportunity to that's really right. reach their full potential. That's right. I, I, you know, we could talk about this all day long because I totally agree that, you know, we really need to change the way we look at how we work with HR professionals and that command and control, as you said, that micromanaging madness really has to go through the door we need to look now more than ever at our emotional intelligence our adaptability intelligence especially adaptability considering what just happened in covid um and and the leaders of these things is hr professionals which you know i have that conversation all the time about any and everyone cannot hr so when you say to me that it's an easy thing to do and anyone can do it. I have to 
bite my tongue not to say things I don't want to say, but to just put them in the right place of understanding that HR professionals are a very special breed of people. It's not just about liking people, but it's about understanding people and where they're coming from and what their pain points are and how you can make that better and be intentional about it. And um, I think that managers leaders I, I i prefer leaders to managers but leaders definitely um see that forward thinkingness of progressing and developing and they know they can't do it without hr whereas you know managers just don't get that well and i, I that makes me think about i'll have conversations frequently with people who are managers or um if they're looking to transition into a new role and i i say do you want to manage people do you want to be a leader of a team of, of people, because that's a really special skill set. I think so many people, you know, and so for you saying anyone can HR, that's what makes me think of not, not yes. anybody can also, or should they manage a team of people? Yes, yes. That's something yes. that a lot of people, because of the progression in their career, the progression of their organization, whenever they reach a certain level of, you know, their, the pay band, or they've promote, been promoted to a certain level, the next step is managing a team of people. Yes. And not everybody should do that. No, definitely. <laughs> I cannot more, my friend. I cannot agree with you more. And that's okay. It doesn't show any sign of failure. If you're really good at the thing that you do, you know, if you're a very talented specialist in this area, keep doing that. That doesn't mean you also have to manage a team of people. Absolutely. Actually, can I give you a story about that? Yes, please. So, so I was recently, maybe earlier this year, earlier this year, we had a team, we had a team meeting with all the team leads. Um, and there was one guy in particular, amazing, brilliant at what he does. Um, but last year they made him a team lead. So he was managing this, this one particular team. But when we came to the table for a discussion earlier this year, um, the question came to him again, like, do you, do you want to lead teams or do you want to just do the work? And he was brave enough to say, look, I love what I do. I love the people I work with, but I don't want to lead people. Good. And so Good it's really important for people to feel like they have the safety to say that. And I really have to give him props for, you know, having the bravery to stand up and say, look, I love my job. I love what I do. I do like working with the team that I'm working with, but I don't want to lead them. And, and okay, so we, then we put things in place so that, you know, someone else could lead the team, but that he could do what he does best. And would that have come up if, you know, we, we didn't have someone in the space to ask the question, is this really what you want to do? Do you really want to lead people? And drive that conversation for him to be able to make that conscious decision I thought was super powerful on his part. And I'm powerful on the part of, of, of my boss for actually asking that question. Is it that, what we really want to do? That warms my heart so much because I hear two things at play here that are really close to my heart. And I'm sure they are. As soon as I say them, you're going to nod and smile. One is this idea of psychological safety. So it sounds like that's in place on your team. Absolutely. The fact that you could have these difficult conversations openly and freely mm-hmm. without feeling like you're going to get reprimanded or, you know, um, that you can come and be your true self, right. And have these conversations. The second is a, a pretty high level of self-awareness by your team member to know, you know what, I don't want to do 
do that. That's not something that's good for me. That serves me. That's going to make me my best mm -hmm. and to be able to, to express that as well. So yeah. yay. Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. Kudos, kudos to, to him. And that, that particular experience really warmed my heart because yes. sometimes you feel like there's no hope. Um, <laughs> and then moments like that show up and make you realize, okay, there's a, there's a little hope out there somewhere. Brilliant. Um, what a great, I mean, that's a great story. Yes, absolutely. So let me ask you my next question. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think other HR professionals could benefit from? Um, well, I will tell you, um, the most recent, so I'm, I'm going to start with the most recent business book I read, and then I'm going to, I'm going to dig in a little deep here with you, but okay. the most recent business book, um, that I loved was called Indistractable. Yes, and I have that book. Have you read it yet? I haven't read it yet. I bought it about two months ago and I'm finishing some other books, but that is coming up soon on my list. I need, I feel like I need to reread it because okay. I feel like I just took it all in the first time. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then, but then I, I didn't take notes. I didn't write anything down. And now that it's been, it's been a couple months since I've read it. I'm like, oh, I need to go back and take all of those uh, tips and tricks and start to implement them. But, you know, I think, um, it's just a really great guide. It's, super easy to read just on yeah. how to be productive. I think even more so, you know, for those of us who are working remotely and yes. uh, we'll be continuing to work remotely in the, you know, Yay. foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's just a nice way to be like, okay, now I'm going to transition to this thing and I'm going to transition to this thing and uh, talks about having like a schedule and a guide and, but you get you, it's very agile because you get to reassess that every week and see, did it work yes. this week? What do I need Absolutely. to tweak? And let's start doing something better next week. Mm -hmm. Um, but personally, honestly, Julie, ever since, um, racial inequity has been such a big conversation point, it's really for forced me to take a big, long look and say, what the hell have I been doing? Like, I've really been, um, made aware of my privileges and, and doing a lot of deep work on just understanding what that means and uncovering what all that means. So, um, I'm currently in, um, how to be an anti-racist, okay. um, we're also reading with our children. That's by Ibram Kendi. He also mm -hmm. wrote a book called Stamped from the Beginning, but there's mm -hmm. a young adults version of it just called Stamped. Okay. So we're reading that with our own children. Um, I read Trevor Noah's book called Born a Crime. Yes, I love that book. Is, oh my gosh, if you like Trevor Noah. And I would I honestly love Trevor Noah. I love Trevor. Listen, Trevor Noah is one person that I would have on this podcast that is not in HR just because he's Trevor Noah. <laughs> I am such a fan. I always, I mean, I was such a huge fan, huge fan. You know, from the daily show, but, um, yeah. I, I actually got his book. Uh, I said, I read it, but I did, I actually listened to it. I listened right. to him narrate it on audible, which was just yes. so entertaining. I've actually listened to that twice now. Yeah. <laughs> once on my own and once with my family. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, I'm like, I'm definitely really deep in all that right now. And I have to right. say that I, Julie, I am a different person today than I was in January. I can very honestly say that with everything right. that's happened. I think I have a lot of similar qualities. I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. Right. Um, I find joy in the little things. I say like, yeah. I find joy in a juice box. Like it's just, <laughs> you know, I hope that all the good is still there, but I do feel like there's just so many parts of ways of thinking that, um, are, I have not been aware of, and I'm really 
um, honored to, to be able to understand and explore all of this. What's one thing that you recognize consciously right now that you has changed you and made you a better person now from when you were looking at things earlier this year? As a result of the stuff that you've read and things that are going on, what's made you a better person? You know, it was, um, it was a line in Trevor Noah's book, actually. And what's so interesting is the first time I listened to it was prior to George Floyd's death and, and the ensuing, you know, civil rights yes. re- revolution since then. Yes. Um, and it's so interesting because I literally finished it kind of right before that. I was like, whoa. But okay. even in that moment when I was listening to it the first time, I was like, whoa, yeah. And it was like opening all these doors and setting off all these fireworks. And he says in there, um, you know, there's the saying that... Um, give Amanda fish and he'll eat for a day, teach Amanda fish and he'll eat for a year forever. Mm-hmm. or forever. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Forever. But then yeah. Trevor Noah says, um, he's like, but what we don't talk about is giving people the fishing pole. Yeah. Right. Is actually helping people to get there. And, you know, I thought about, I, I grew up poor with a single mom, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think about something else those, we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's, maybe that's why our souls speak to each other, you know, but I think about even because of, I mean, even with that, you know, starting off in that way, because of the color of my skin, I was given more opportunity, right? I was, Mm -hmm. more things were open to me, more things were presented to me. Right. Uh, And just being aware, you know, I, I didn't always put that together and I feel like I'm becoming more and more aware of that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and really ensuring like the next generation, like that we don't have to go through all of this, right? Like making sure our children, you know, every day I call them out on their privileges daily, <laughs> multiple times a day, you know, wow. just to make sure that they're aware of really. That's powerful. Yeah. How, how is it going to, how has it made you think about how you practice HR and how you bring people into the organization? I mean, it has everything to do with, um, justice, right? So making sure that systems that are broken are fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've just been reading a lot about, um, it's so easy to place blame on people yes. because that's what you see and that's what you interact with. And so right. you may, you know, it's just human nature to make these judgments and yeah. really, you know, the, the evolved person, the emotionally intelligence person can step back from all of that mm-hmm. and look at what systems aren't working and yeah. how they might, how they might um, benefit some people and not other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as HR leaders, I think that's our, um, our duty <laughs> is to really look at our own organization. I mean, you know, you can fight the good fight out in the world. Yes. I think it all has to start, it starts individually yes. with you and then yes. it starts with your family and the people yes. that you surround yourself with. And then yeah. your friends, right? You, you look at these circles and then eventually you're at your organization and as an yeah. HR leader in your organization, mm-hmm. you're going to have to fight the good fight and you're going to have to call out 
when things aren't fair and when things yeah. don't make sense and don't just, well, it's the way it's always been, or, oh, I'm afraid to whatever. I don't want to rock the boat, you know, mm -hmm. rock the boat. The boat needs to be rocked. <laughs> You're going to rock a boat. Rock now is the time to rock the boat. Okay, hold on, flip it over. We are so, we are so disrupted right now, Julie. Like if people don't want disruption, now is a terrible time. And I get that. And I, I am so aware of all of the yeah. mental health issues that we need to be mindful of in this time. Absolutely. However, I think if you can weather that, if you can, you know, focus on what you can change and what you can control, things are so disrupted right now. Just get in there and keep right. flipping that boat over. Right? That's right. That's right. Knock up everything. Knock up everything. I agree 100%. And I, I really do appreciate what you're trying to do, especially your part, not just as a human being, but also as a parent. As a as a people champion, um, yes. I have to I have to applaud you for that on so many levels. I have deep respect for what you're trying to accomplish, and and it just reminded me of um, a phrase from Steve Steve Brown's book HR on Purpose when he talked about how um, I don't think parents realize that their children are going to be somebody's employee in the future. If you focus on the fact that you're raising potential future employees, you're raising the next industrial revolution. Um, if you focus on that and recognize that, then you're going to help us to have good employees in place, right? If you don't focus on that, then we'll always have employee issues. So, you know, when, when we were first having kids, my husband and I were talking and he's like, well, you know, would you be okay if they wanted to be an artist or wanted to, you know, what if they just wanted to be a street artist or whatever, all the, you know, all this stuff to like worry about when they're just being born. <laughs> you know? And so I think growing up with a single mom, she was so concerned about our future and being able to su support ourselves. Yeah. Um, so she always pushed my brother and I, she's like, doctor or lawyer, doctor or lawyer. You know, you know, and I, I just, for me, I, I, I just want them. I, the phrase I use, I just want them to be positive contributing members of society. Yeah. So whatever that looks like, you know, yeah. and, and in that, I hope that they find their own personal happiness and joy, of course. Um, but I like the way of looking at that. So my way of looking at it is like, I want them to give back and be good to society, but I love the way of being like, they're also going to be someone's employee someday. So That's let's right. make sure that they know how to function properly exactly. doing that. Exactly. Especially coming from a mom who is in human resources. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Let's make sure we, <laughs> we put them on the right track. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I got, I got to ask you a very serious question. Okay. As an HR professional, what keeps you up at night? Um, people not realizing how awesome they are. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like a lot of people are walking around in a bit of a haze, mm -hmm. you know, and, and honestly, you know, in all of this work that I've been doing on my white privilege, there's a part of my brain that's been woken up. And so I feel like there's been an evolution of times where parts of my brain have been woken up. Right. And, you know, when I see people who I, I don't think have, woken up parts of their brain yet. It makes me sad because I do think every human being has so much potential Yes, to do so many good things, you know, but I think a lot of it is, um, fear or, you know, um, 
something in their past is still affecting their present. You know, right. uh, they just haven't done the work that they need to do. Right. You know, I've, I'll train on this and I'll talk to leaders and managers about this and I'll say like, no one should care more about your evolution than you should. No one's going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'd say, I mean, I think that if every person took the opportunity to really get to know themselves and figure themselves out, mm-hmm. figure out the good, the bad, and the other, and either accept it or change it or work on it, mm-hmm. but have that, that constant approach of self-improvement and wanting to be better and wanting to do better, mm-hmm. um, the world would be a much better place, you know? People who like themselves aren't mean to other people. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Um, so that's, that's, you know, I, I just, that's the, the big dream in my head is that people really just take the time to figure themselves out or get the help they need to do that. You know, I know not everybody, um, can do that on their own. There's mental illness is serious and real. And I do think there are, there are trained professionals out there that can help, you know, get people on the right path as well. So Mm -hmm. I love people. I just want them to, to be their best. (laughs) Absolutely. I I feel you on that one so much. Like I can totally relate to that because I feel the same way. So I thank you for sharing that with me and with the audience. Yeah. So what is the one misconception about HR that really, really grinds you that you just want to set the record straight on right here, right now? What's that one thing that people just don't get about HR? Um, I hear a lot of people complain about their HR departments mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Yes. Um, I think that HR can be seen as, you know, the policy makers. And so they're enforcing all the policies, you know, they, I mean, even with my small group, we'll be on a call and somebody will maybe like swear or say something a little like off-putting uh-huh. and like, Oh, Oh, HR is on the call, meaning me. And I'm like, okay, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I I just, I feel like HR is seen as like an afterthought or uh, an evil necessity. Necessary evil, yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just um, all of that just feels like heavy and wrong. You know, I think that as part of this disruption, if organizations can see HR as visionary and, um, agile and, um, uh, strategic, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that's the approach that people should take, you know, and, and even thinking like down to like benefits administration, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be strategic and agile and, um, you know, transform even the, the benefits administration function. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I think HR leaders who might be stuck in the '90s need to think about how they can, yeah. how or they even, can, or even, or even further back, my friend. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, think about how what what leading in 2020 actually looks like, and yes. how to be how to be leading, right? I mean, I see like the CEO, the COO, and the CHRO, or whatever you want to call it, right? Like, right. 
mean, that's, you know, you've got like your strategic CEO leading the company with the vision and the mission and the values, right? CEO is making sure everything, all the widgets are getting made and everything's functioning properly. Right. And the CHRO is making sure that your people talent is engaged to their full potential. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that is a high functioning organization. That's right. That's right. What happens when that CHR role is not, um, is not given the power that it needs in order to do what you just said? It's a lot harder to function. Absolutely. It's, you know, what I just talked about there, and that maybe that's not the, 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 the blueprint for every organization that might not yeah. be the template, but you look at that yeah. as like a three-legged stool. What happens mm-hmm. when you take one of the legs off? Yeah. <laughs> You can kind of sit on that stool and hold it up and use your core and, you know, try to make it work. (laughs) My core is so weak, my friend. I tell you, I'd be falling over in a hurry. (laughs) Right, but you take, I mean, I just feel that, and I think organizations have been doing it for for decades. Mm -hmm. And what used to work no longer works. It will Mm -hmm. no longer work. You know, Mm -hmm. it used to be people were grateful to have the job and they came in and punched the cards. And of course, whatever you say, and well, this is what the boss says, and this is what I'm going to do. That's not what these new generations are are ready to do. Right. Not at all. It is bespoke. It is the I generation. Right. And that doesn't mean it has nothing to do with selfishness, right? There's all sorts of stereotypes around these other generations. It just has to be with people finally waking up parts of their brain earlier in life. Right. You know, we've got people who are 60 and 70 finally like becoming, you know, more aware. Aware. Exactly. exactly. But now we've got, you know, 10 year olds (laughs) who are more aware and they know what they want out of their career absolutely I mean I I have three children my oldest is 22 and he's now working and the things that he tells me is happening in his organization that he's working with he comes home every day he's like mom they, they said this is that right can they do this can they do that can they tell me that can they say these things to me I keep saying to them my mom's in HR y'all can't trick me you know <laughs> secret weapon but as you talk as you talked about it like I'm looking at my son in now joining the workforce and the things that he will not tolerate the things that he won't accept from a manager um or or a leader (laughs) yeah it's completely different to me where I would say like go to work keep your head down just get stuff done my son is like no because it's the principle of the matter and it's, you can't treat me like this. I do have a voice. I do have a right. And I do have rights as a human being, you know, and that you're actually going to have conversations. And I would always say, you know, always make sure your conversations are respectful. And yes. there's nothing wrong with saying what you feel, but just make sure that you say it in a respectful way. I'm telling you, this generation here right now, they're not going to stand for a lot of things. And my last um, child is six. 15 going 16 my daughter and I know my daughter is already in that headspace of I'm going to be an entrepreneur I'm not going to work for anybody so nobody could tell me what I don't want to hear you know she's like as you said before whether it be a street artist or not my daughter wanted to be a youtuber for the longest time 
And that was a conversation that, you know, you have to have to say, well, okay, well, what kind of content are you going to put out there? It's not like I'm putting it down. What yeah. content are you going to yeah. put out there? And as parents, <laughs> we have to be conscious of the fact that the way our young people, our little people want to work is not the same way that we were raised or groomed to, to work or be. Like, I come from a family of doctors and teachers and I think to think that I would want to be in HR and then inspire other members of my family to be in HR was like something very foreign. But here we are now in 2020 and I have one cousin who actually followed me, went into HR and now she works at Google. So, Oh my uh, gosh, how cool. Just, like that, for me, that's like the space that I'm in where I just want to number one, unite my HR community, no matter where people are. And, and I also want to be able to inspire young people to recognize that HR is a cool profession and it's not all about being doctors and lawyers and teachers and whatever the case may be, but that HR really is a fun profession. And yes. once you look at it from that perspective and you look at all of the different core functions that make up HR and how we help to make this help make decisions in the organization, how we impact people in the organization, that it's a really cool place to be. But yeah, our young people now, they are no joke. <laughs> They're well, not joking. But who's going to change the world, right? Julie, from our time where it was like, go to work, keep your head down, don't rock the boat, don't ruffle any feathers. The people who are coming in and saying it's a matter of principle, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they're the ones who are going to change the world for the better. Absolutely. Right. To not put up with any more BS about, well, that's what my boss said, or my boss treats me this way, or, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, there's no place for that yeah. at work. You spend so much time working. You should not be miserable. You should actually yeah. be, you know, I think about the people that's, that's another thing that keeps me up at night are people who dread going to work the next day. Oh my gosh. Yes. Could you imagine like waking up and dreading going to work and, oh gosh, it just makes me so sad. And yeah. I think so many people do that. I and agree it with it's that. necessary. Yeah. I, I, agree with that 100% like I've heard employees say to me on numerous occasions like my body literally aches when I think about coming in this place or you know I I feel ill I immediately get a headache the minute I step out of bed and I realize it's Monday oh. those things really pain me yeah they really pain me especially um when you're not in the best position to help fix that problem or solve that problem or you're not empowered to, to enough to fix that problem or solve that problem no matter what you say or no matter what plan you put in place and, and try to show the benefit of it I think that that's a, a bit of a struggle and I think a lot of HR professionals especially in the Caribbean face that problem where they're not empowered to make that difference from an HR perspective and really show the worth that they're they really want to put out there and be in the organization, it really can be a, a struggle and a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The HR is cool. <laughs> Absolutely. I was thinking about that. Like if I think for the younger generation, if you like being around people, um, if I think I'd say if you're naturally empathetic or you have, you know, those empath qualities, I, I think HR is a wonderful career to go Absolutely. into. Because there is so much good that you can do for people. I always wanted to help people. I thought when I was little, I thought I'd be a doctor. My mom's, I'd be a doctor, be a doctor, I'd be a doctor. And then, um, though my parents were divorced, I did, I saw my dad a couple times a year. And one of the times I saw him, he had stitches in his toe and he had to have his stitches out. So I went with them. I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. 
and I was standing in the room. And as the moment they started taking the stitches out, I passed out. <laughs> that is not I went from like, I heard like the nurse over here being like, honey, are you okay? And the next thing I knew, I'm like laying on a couch with like a cloth on my head. I was like, what happened? And she's like, well, so I was like, mm, maybe I won't be a doctor. No, but I maybe always not. To help maybe people. not. <laughs> I think, right. I think maybe if you're like me, if you can't do the blood and the gore, you know, and you still want to help people. Even HR, it's <laughs> an amazing place to be able to help people to do good for others. I Absolutely. mean, you can help again, when people spend so much of their lives working, mm-hmm. you can help create an environment where they feel successful and happy and fulfilled and content and, you know, help their leaders to do the right things to create those environments and Absolutely. make the culture a place of collaboration and psychological safety. I mean, those yeah. are all things that our professionals can do. And yes. it's really exciting. It's exciting to be a part of that. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. I always feel like HR is a sweet spot because it's a space where you're not running the organization, but you get to understand the mechanics of the organization and you're not managing managing all of the people, but you get to know and understand all of the people. Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of like the sweet spot um, that. that you could be within the organization. And I, and I don't know why people wouldn't want to take that up. You're like, like you're like the cool auntie, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> you're yes. like, you don't come. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Megan, <laughs> you have survived your time in the Samu. <laughs> I thank you so much for your time. Could I you love that so fast. I had so much I'm fun telling you. you, as always. <laughs> it really did. Can you please tell these amazing people where they can find you on social media? Oh, sure. So I uh, like Julie, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. I've made some really awesome connections during the pandemic. So I'd love Absolutely. for any of you to be yeah. one of them. Feel free to reach out mm-hmm. and find me. Um, my name, I don't know if you'll see it, but spelled a little yeah. funny. Um, Inspirant Group is our website. So you can also learn more about what we do there. It's mm-hmm. Inspirant is spelled I-N-S-P-I-R-A-N-T G-R-P.com. And there's yeah. more about what we do on the site there. Um, I don't tweet. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Really, LinkedIn's the best place to find me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. What else do I do? And I've got my personal stuff, but again, that's more for the yeah. outtakes. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. LinkedIn is LinkedIn is LinkedIn yeah. is Arlene. That's where you mostly find. Um, that's where you'll find Megan. Yes. On, on LinkedIn, 100%. And uh, I also know. I actually watched over your video recently on hacking HR um, on the gig economy. So yes. yes. that's a, actually, let me ask you this. What's one great thing that you, you like about working from home? Oh, um, honestly. So I've, I've worked from home for a long time. Um, and I have to tell you what I'm liking right now is that my family's here with me and I know, you know, there's, there's, not everything is great about that, but I do love when I get off a call to be able and go give a hug to yeah. you know one of my kids or yeah. to have, lunch, have lunch with my husband or something like that. So that's been yeah. a real, a real you know you look for the bright spots in in crises and in times of um, despair, and you know those are some of the bright spots that we've been able to find. Nice, awesome. I like I do like that as well. Being home with my children, even though they call me goofy mummy because I get to get up and have moments with my daughter or my son. Yeah something silly yes. and, that's, and that's fun because they're big they're not babies anymore but that they can still have goofy moments of money mommy is good for me that's so sweet. <laughs> yes oh this was great i'm sure that you will be back in this sound booth with me very soon but that completes 
our episode for today. Thank you so much once again for being here. And uh, yeah, your absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And I look forward to having you again. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.